So uh, you have this week the the parsha of um, Yaakov Pekude, which ends with Chazak Chazak Benis Chazek. So um, just wanted to share a machshava that Reb Shem Schwab says. That he, he says that this is not the haftorah for Parsha Sachoidish, but at, at the end of the Avodas Beis Hamigdash, so it says that. There was a yid by the name of Chiroin, who helped Shlomo Melech build the base on Migdash. So it says that the Yas Chiroin and Shlomo they built the base on Migdash, and then it says Vayichal Chirom. The name is written differently. Now all of a sudden he becomes Chirom. So the Schwab says, "What is the pshat? Once he finished the job, he was finished. He was diminished, and he became Chirom. He lost the vote." But with some people, they have a uh, they have a mission in life, and once the mission is finished, they become less. They they have nothing left to do with themselves. Right? It's almost counterintuitive. You think that you did your job, yeah. you become somebody because you finished your job. Yeah. You move yeah. to the next level. But yeah, but some people like just don't, like I don't know what to do. Like uh, I don't yeah, know how the gate has read this in this month, so I don't know how. But there, there was a, a mice with this girl who fell into a hole. Many years ago, there was a mice of a girl fell into some hole, and they were trying to get her out, and all sorts of companies came trying to dig, and it was a whole big thing, it was a big thing on the news, and there was one guy who stayed with the girl the whole time, and the imam stayed till she was saved, and he kept talking to her and keeping her alive, and so he became a big celebrity, and so for weeks he was on every talk show, and he was interviewed, and after like a year, he was no longer a celebrity. No, this was an old story, and he committed suicide. He just had nothing left to do with his life. You know, it was, uh, he lost all his... Uh, and so, um, it's the favorite man, so I don't know. <laughs> 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 I think the kid, I think some of the kids study this man more than whatever's going to find. <laughs> <laughs> so the first you say it is that yeah, that's why we say chazak, chazak, menis chazak. After this, you just finished the whole safer in the Torah. One might rest on their laurel and say, okay, I'm finished, time for vacation. Nay, now it's time to be mechazic yourself, without getting weiter, you have to starken yourself and um, do more. And I think there's also a lesson that you learn in Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodesh is also the Zaman of his chachas. And so what's the pshat? Rosh Chodesh tells us that uh, the moon went through a period of darkness. And, you know, so you might think that uh, it's gone. The ozone level, level or whatever it is, uh, global warming, the moon is going to disappear. So all of a sudden the moon reappears. And so, so it's is the moon is mechadish itself. And so people in life go through matzovim that maybe things are difficult. They have their challenges. But you have to know that they always come back to his chachas. But if a person goes through periods of darkness and he throws in the towel, so then uh, you lose that opportunity. And this is why I think uh, brought down, and they've mentioned this in the past, that women, the tour brings down women have a special yontav and rishchidosh. They don't do malacha and rishchidosh. There's an inyant that they don't want to do malacha. They can sit back and say, you do the laundry, you wash the dishes, or whatever it is. So you would ask a woman, which yontif would you like as a vacation? Because they were rewarded for not being part of the Chet Egel. So a woman would say, okay, I'll take Pesach. Right, you know, too much can tell you this, you know. 
But so I think the shot is that the men, to make a long story short, the men lost their cool when, when, when Moshe was gone. And it led them to make an eagle. And the women wouldn't give the jewelry. The women said, you guys are crazy. Everything is fine. Your boy Hashem is here. Have bitachim. Right? So the women taught the men that in times of darkness, you just stay the course and you have bitachim. Rosh teaches us that lesson. Rosh the moon stays its course and eventually it catches the sun once again. Don't get serudal because things are difficult. The boy is there. He's holding your hand. He's going to walk you through. And don't lose it. That's a Musa the women teach, and that's why Rishchidosh is a yanta for women. So that's what you have to learn. And so it's as man of Rishchidosh, say Rishchidosh, say Chazak, Chazak, Menis Chazak. And um, you also have in the Parsha, the Indian of Shabbos is brought down. The very beginning of Parsha is by Yakel. It talks about Shabbos. We have the Shomru Beisol of Shabbos there. So um, a couple of Machshavas I want to share in the Gea to Shabbos. Shabbos is also his chachis in the week. It begins the next week and all of those things. So, L'choyra, the question is asked, they ask the question, why in Parshas Kisisa, where it talks about Shabbos, Shabbos comes after the Avoidus HaMishkin and Truman Tetzavah. The Mishnah talks about the Mishkan, then comes Shabbos. And now, when we chazer over, Shabbos comes and then comes the Avoid of the Mishkan. So, there's several Terutzim. I just saw a Teretz that I think is, is uh, talks to me that the, 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 the holy side of the Mishkan. You find in Parshas Pekude, the Beisel Levi points out, it says 18 times, Kashetziva Hashem is Moshe. But the Beisel Levi, that what was the hate of the eagle primarily? It was if you look at the Mepharshim, they wanted to replace Moshe with some medium to approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That Moshe took the time is gone, and we have to connect that Abish. So it wasn't the Pshat we wanted to throw away Yiddishkeit. They wanted a kesher that they wanted to create on their own. The time on them is up to base Halevi was, Hashem didn't tell you to do this. You don't do these things on your own. If Hashem tells you, you do it. If Hashem doesn't tell you, don't do it. So they did tshuva, and if them stayed 18 times, Hashem es Moshe. they did it, Hashem es Moshe. that was their objective. But Yidin did a major Avera. It's a terrible Avera. And they want to do tshuva. And they want to reconnect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu appropriately. And they know the vehicle to do that is with the Mishkan, which Moshe taught them to build. So they want very badly to build a Mishkan. The Mishkan is going to be their kesher with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And so they're halishing to build a Mishkan. So it comes Friday afternoon. And they say, okay, Rabbi, you say, we've got to close up shop. He says, what do you mean? We're building a Mishkan to have kesher to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He says, no, nothing doing. Shabbos is Shabbos. You, you can't work on Shabbos. So, Bishlama before the Cheta Egel, there wouldn't have been a need to say a Tzivoy of Shabbos before, because they would have understood without any big, uh, you're not going to be Machal Shabbos to build a Mishkan. There's anything to build a Mishkan, and there's anything to keep Shabbos. So, what's the heck? But after the Cheta Egel. Shabbos came after the Egel? 
No, it didn't come after the tzivui in the Torah. It's given after. Either it was the tzivui by Mora, you mean, or Nasaris Adibris. Christ placed the protim of Shabbos, and the details had to be given again. So they repeated. But the, the necessity to repeat it the first time around wasn't necessary to repeat it before they before the before the Chet Egel. Because before the Chet Egel, if they were given a tzivui to build a Mishkan, they wouldn't have had a Havamina to build it on Shabbos. Because... They, were, they knew they were connected to Hashem. They didn't need the Mishkan to connect to Hashem. As Pornoi says that, they didn't need the Mishkan to create that Kesher with Hashem. They had a Kesher. So Shabbos, I can't work. Okay, Shabbos, I'll be Makashim, I sell to Hashem. But now that they did a Chet Egel, they want so badly that Kesher. So in their Frumkai, they might say, so Shabbos, I have to, I have to build a Mishkan. Here, Hashem gave them the tzivah before the Mishkan. It says, wake sure. You're not Mechal Shabbos. It says, that's the aside. In many times, people in their eagerness to do avoid this Hashem, they forego other inyanim that uh, they should have been more careful about. And, uh, so you have um, the Maisa with the Chafetz Chaim. Cause you, have, you need to be the Chafetz Chaim as our Maisa, but there was a big Asifa of Gedoylem. And um, they were talking about Inyan, that when they gave the Klal Yisrael. So suddenly one of the Inyan got up and he said, Rabbi say it's almost Shki, we have to have a Minchim. So Chavetz Chaim got up and he said, we're talking now about Tzorchei Tzibur. Today it's Doichen Mincha. We're not Davening Mincha today. He took the Chavetz Chaim to be able to make us Apsak. But he said, right now this is what we're doing. Don't be from a Daven Mincha. Right now we have to deal with Klal Yisrael Soros and we're not stopping, right? It's such an Indian. And they say, uh, break the plates. Right, break the plates, right? So you, you have to have that. The Misa with uh, a Yid, his name was Rabbi Kutfarb, I think. So the doctors told him that he has to eat on Yom Kippur. He was very tzbrochen. So he went to Shlomo Zalman Auerbach. And Shlomo Zalman was his last year of Shlomo Zalman's life. And he can bemoan the fact that he had to eat. Shemuel Zalman said to him, yeah, I want you to know something. I fasted 70 years, and this year the doctor told me I have to eat. And you see this button? He says, if you hit this button, it's not going to hurt me. It doesn't hurt me that I have to eat on Yom Kippur. 70 years Hashem said, don't eat, and I didn't eat. This year Hashem says, eat, and I'm eating. And it doesn't make a difference to me. This is the Rats and Aboyri. That's how you have to look at it. So very often, you know, we think, uh, Bocha thinks I'm going to learn till two in the morning, and the Shachris, and you pass me. You have to know that there's a Shulchan Aruch, there's a Hanhoga, you have to follow it. And so here Shabbos has to come before the Avedis of Mishkan to make sure that people don't make that mistake. But at the same time, you have to understand that the Shabbos is me'enoi l'mhaba. What's the pshat that Shabbos is me'enoi l'mhaba? That in, in oil l'mhaba, everything will be very clear. Everything is taken care of. Everything is very clear. The Yisrael of Shabbos, the same Nakuda. On Shabbos, you have to come into Shabbos and feel everything is taken care of. I can put away my work. Hashem is taking care of everything. Today is the day that everything is taken care of. And I can look at the world with a clarity that Hashem is in control. Everything is done. I don't have any business. I don't have anything to worry about. I just have a connection with HaKadosh Baruch. That's the aside of Shabbos. And therefore, Shabbos is the Makor Abrocha. Just like the Beis HaMikdash was the Makor Abrocha. Shabbos is a miniature Beis HaMikdash. You think about it. Whatever you had in the Beis HaMikdash, you have on Shabbos. 
Shabbos, the Kahanim were special to Godin. We have a midst of where big day Shabbos. In the base of Midrash, the Kahanim had to wash their hands and their feet. The mitzvah before Shabbos, l'chola pachshish, what the yadayim repetent, upon of yod v'radlev. There's an Indian on Shabbos to have uh, special neiros. The base of Midrash, there was a menorah. In this Midrash, there was, there was, there was a lechem upon him on Shabbos. We have chal on Shabbos, right? So there was a certain ambience in the base of Migdash. There was a katiris. On Shabbos, there's supposed to be a certain ambience in the house. Not necessarily the reich or the cholent, but there's supposed to be a sholent in the house, right? The Shabbos is not the time to... The mother says, Tati's coming home Shabbos, you're going to get the it. the timing of giving Shabbos and the money at the same tekufa. Post-Kabbalah was because Kabbalah was... Shabbos, you have a Benoir, Shabbos, you have Chal, Shabbos, you have special Kriya, so Tayyarik, they're in a Kodesh. Is many halachas that Shabbos, so you go into the base of Migdash, um, you have to take off your shoes, you have to walk with their Heretz, right? And Shabbos, you're not supposed to run on Shabbos, you're supposed to use the base of Migdash as a kapandria. So there's many, you're not supposed to come to the base of Migdash with your money belt, with your wood. All these things, Shabbos also, we don't carry muksa, we don't do these things. So Shabbos is a shtickle, uh, uh, that's the way it is. Shimshin Pinkus is Moisef of Machshove, that he says that um, you have an Indian of Muktza on Shabbos, right? Shabbos, <coughs> what's the Indian of Muktza? So Pashtus, you know, it's a it's an Ashhorah de Rabbonim to prevent you from being Nichshal in the Chek, but he, he stells to, there's a famous story about Bustanai. Bustanai was, uh, he, he, he was a descendant of Shevet, of, of Yehuda, and uh, the Goinus was was taken away when when uh, in the later years when the the Yidden were living in in, in Bovel. So at the end of the Babylonian Empire, whatever, when before the Arabs took over, so there was a lot of chaos, and so somehow or other, the office of Reish Galusa went into was, was the spot when Caliph Omar came into power. Right, he wanted to reinstate the office of Reish Galusa. And so there were imposters who wanted, were not from Shevet Yehuda. Bustanai was a child, was a survivor from Shevet Yehuda, and um, he was was pre- introduced to Caliph Omar as the one who should really be the... So it was a big child who would get the position. So while he was in front of the Caliph, a mosquito was, was pecking on his forehead. And he didn't lift his hands to brush it away. So the caliph finally said to him, why don't you brush away the mosquito? It's, it's, it's sucking your blood. He said, in our family, we were taught that when you're in the presence of a king, you don't pick up your hand unless you're told to do so. 
So I'm standing in front of the king. So he was so impressed that he became the Vishkalusa. That's why the, the flag of the family of Bustanay had a mosquito on it, something like that. But I'll call upon him. The, the, um, so, so, that's why what? The flag, I think, of that family. The flag? The flag. Had a, had a mosquito on it, okay? So, I don't know from flags too much, but, um, <laughs> I know if you go to certain places, every family had a flag. If you look back in ancient history, wherever you can. Anyway, so, so Rav Shimshimpinka says that Indian of Muks is the same thing. When you're standing in front of the Rebbeinah Shalalim, you don't just move your hands wherever you want. Shabbos. Shabbos, you're in front of Hashem. It's a base of Migdash. You have to be very careful what you do. You don't just play with things. You don't just... Everything has to be done with a cheshmer. You're standing in front of a king. That's Shabbos. Shabbos is you're in the presence of Hakadosh Baruch You're in the base of Migdash. It's a miniature base of Migdash. Right? You, you, this had locus neighbors. The whole avoda. You have to look at Shabbos. It's a base of Migdash. And that's uh, that's the, so that's why if Tisha B'av falls out on Shabbos, we don't fast. You have mamish kesu b'shloim b'shaytei, right? Because Shabbos, you have the base of Migdash. The base of Migdash is here. That's Shabbos. I'll call upon him. So, so the base midas was the makor habracha. So Shabbos is the makor habracha. There was a ma'isa. There's a couple of mice in my sword. There was a yid in Mexico. The name was Jacobo Sherem. He was in the process of becoming a Balchuva. And he had an office building that he was trying to sell. He was, I guess, his real estate business was struggling. And if he sells this building, he would be able to, I guess, pay off his chayvis and make a little profit and maybe put himself back on his feet. And so um, he was having a meeting with a company that wanted to buy the building. And it was Friday afternoon. And they they made it very clear that they have to finish signing all the papers because they're leaving on Saturday morning. So the deal has to be finished by Friday. Came close to Shabbos, and this guy is debating, you know. It's not like I'm a frumayid yet, so, you know, but at the same time, I've been going to shul on Friday night and keeping Shabbos a little bit. So he makes a decision that said, no matter what, I'm not going to be Mechal Shabbos. So he tells them, I'm sorry, we're closing shop at a certain time. They said, we're not going to go through the deal. He says, it's okay, I have to, I have to be somewhere. Anyway, he closes the shop and he goes and keeps Shabbos. And the whole Shabbos, he's having harat. He says, I blew it, whatever. And that's such a from guy anyway. What am I fooling? And I gave up this deal. Anyway, a few days later, there was a massive earthquake in Mexico City. And every building in downtown Mexico City was destroyed, except for his building. And he was able to sell every single office in that building for fortunes of money. The government needed a place in downtown to, to, to work, to operate from. He made a fortune on the building that he, you know, nothing compared to what he made by selling it. And he was able to rebuild his business. And, uh, you know, he, he showed people who made a siyamashas a couple of years later in the lobby of the fancy new skyscraper that he built. And he showed people pictures of the of downtown Mexico City. And you see total emptiness except for one building standing in the middle, his building. Right? It's a story told by Pesach Krohn in one of his uh, Krohn books. Right? And so, Murray de Kazakh, there's a Maisa with, with the Chafetz Chaim in Shloim Zalman, uh, Reb Zalman Sarotskin. I just saw, saw another phase of the story, so it's interesting. So, um, Reb Zalman Sarotskin was a Rav 
in the city of Zatayel, which is where the Chafetz Chaim was born, which is near Paris or something. So that's where he was a rov. According to some, I think it was the city of Lutsk. But I'll call upon him. So um, there was a Yid there who had a son who uh, was Michal Shabbos. He, he got a car and he was driving people from the train station into the city. And Reb Zalman Sarotskin wanted to tell him, but he somehow or other he never succeeded in telling the father to straighten out his son. The father got sick. He ends up in the hospital. His mother comes to him in a dream and she says to him, they're not doing anything for you in the hospital. Go to the Chafetz Chaim. Tell him you, you lived at his, you're a Lansman from his, you grew up in Zatayel where he grew up and go to Rab and ask him for a bracha. But the hospital's not helping you. Go to the Chafetz Chaim. So he sneaks out of the hospital, goes to the train station, and he's waiting for a train to arrive. And the train pulls in, and who walks out of the train? Rebellion Sarotskin. He says, what are you doing? Are you supposed to be in the hospital? He says, I'm on my way to Rodin to talk to the Chafetz Chaim. My mother said I should get a brach from the Chafetz Chaim. Now, it happened to be the Chafetz Chaim was on that train, and the train was going to be in, in, in the station there for a while. So Rebellion Sarotskin says to him, oh, Chavetz Chaim is on the train. And then he says to himself, I better run and tell the Chavetz Chaim that this guy has a son who's Machal Shabbos, and he should give the, tell the father, he should talk to his son. So the guy runs onto the train, before Zalman Sarasim gets to the Chavetz Chaim, this year already made it to the Chavetz Chaim first, and he pours out his heart, he says, I'm a, I'm a Lanzman from Zatayel, and my mother told me to ask you for a brothel, she came to me in a dream. The Chavetz Chaim says to him, I can't give you a brothel. Shabbos is the Makar HaBrocha. You have to go to Shabbos. If you tell your son to stop driving on Shabbos, and you tell your daughter to not to comb her hair with a comb on Shabbos, so if Shabbos will be happy, I'll be happy, I'll give you a brocha. But till you do that, I can't give you a brocha. How did the Chavetz Chaim know that? It's a kasha. Maybe it's not a kasha, right? But I'll call upon him. Uh, unbelievable. So I took care of it, and everything was revolted. And so... Uh, so Shabbos is the Makor Abrocha, it's a Murad de Kazakh. So I saw another Maisa, that there was a woman who was uh, in, in labor, and it was very serious. Her life was in danger, something was going wrong. So the husband came to the Chavetz Chaim. At that time, Rabbi Brom Kalmanovich was in the Chalm was, was by the Chavetz Chaim. So the Chavetz Chaim said, um, Maybe you should give some tzedakah. Maybe that'll help. He said, I already gave tzedakah. It didn't help. So the Chafetz Chaim said, you keep Shabbos. So he said, I'll start keeping Shabbos from now on. So the Yid, the Chafetz Chaim said, it's too late. That's not going to help you from now on. So then he turns to Rav Ram Kalmanovich. He said, Rav Ram, you came with me many times when I went to different places to Mechazek Shmira Shabbos. Give him your zechus for those mitzvahs of Shmira Shabbos, and maybe in that zechus my wife will have her So Rav Kalmanov said to the Chavetz Chaim, he says, wait a second, you, you went with me, why should I give up my zechus? So he said, I'm an old man. I need whatever schusim I have. You're young. You can earn more schusim. So Rav Kamenover said, listen, if you give me a haftocha that I'll be able to be zoichet to more schusim, I'll, I'll give it up. So Rav Chaim said, I'll give you haftocha. And he gave, made a ma'isa kinyan, he gave him the schusim, and the lady was healed. What happened is Rav Kamenovich comes to America, 
And uh, you think he, did he get schusen? He, he, he was in America, and the Mir Yeshiva sent a telegram on Shabbos that they need $50,000 because the Russian the Russians won't, they raise the prices for the Trans-Siberian Railroad because they now they had customers. And so they, they needed $50,000 to get the whole Mir Yeshiva on the train to Vladivostok. <clears throat> So he had one or two days to raise now fifty thousand dollars. Those years was not a not push it, right? So he he went to a shul in New York and he asked the rov if he could speak. So the rov says no, you can't speak. He says there are people dying in Europe, and you're not going to let me speak. He said, I'm sorry, we have a policy. You have to, you know, you have to arrange it in advance, and then there's a waiting list. You can't just speak. So he said, listen, let me say one word. And I said, okay, one word and that's it. So uh, he got up and he made an announcement. This rabbi is only going to say one word. Right? So Ron uh, Kamalovs got up and he said, Rataven, right, save them. That's all he said, one word. And he fainted. And it was a whole, everyone went crazy and they revived him. And, you know, he said, you know, uh, is he even dying? And, and what am I supposed to do? Anyway, on the spot, he raised the $50,000. He sent it to, to, to Europe, and the whole yeshiva was saved. And, and Seder, he, he was the one who was supplying the money to keep the mere yeshiva going. So he got his chosen back. You can be sure of that. You know, his playal yeshua is in many, many ways. So that's the, that's the so the so, so question is, we know that on Shabbos, you're not supposed to make bakoshes. You don't make bakoshes, it's a personal bakoshes on Shabbos. So the question is, if Shabbos is the Makor Abrocha, that should be the time to make the bakoshes, right? You're walking into that. So so I saw over at Rabbi Shimshin Pinkus, his Masber, he says, Russia, there was a Gvir, Rosh Yeshiva, and uh, he needed money for his Yeshiva. Yeah, Yeshiva near Yisrael, and was, you know... They, they they needed a lot of money. The building was in disrepair, and the, everything had to be fixed. And so he knew there was a gvir that uh, you know he would give a thousand dollars. Guy came for yeshiva, but he had a heart for yeshivas. And if you really knew how to work them, you could get significantly more than that. So he makes him, you know, he, he, he figures out where this guy works and what time he comes home. So he makes sure that. You know, he's walking down the block, the same time the Gvir comes home. And as he passes the Gvir, he says, Efshe, you could tell me where over here I could get and I get a hot cup of coffee. I'm very thirsty. So the Gvir says, Why do you have to go to the store? Come to my house. I'll give you a cup of coffee. So he comes into the house and the Gvir sits him down, gives him a cup of coffee, and they start schmoozing and having a nice conversation. So the Gvir says, Listen, were you for supper? He says, uh, I don't know. He says, so you join me for supper. So he joins him for supper, and they have a geschmack, a conversation, the schmoozing and schmoozing, and it's very geschmack. And so the gear says, listen, you know, uh, next time you, you come to America, you're welcome to stay here. So, okay, very good. So um, the gear goes back there, it's Yisrael. And uh, every, every, you know, once in a while he gives a call to the Gvir to keep up the friendship. And this goes on back and forth, back and forth. And he comes to America again. He stays by the Gvir. And so finally the Gvir comes to Eretz Yisrael and he says, yeah, listen, 
I can't offer you the same house that you offered me, but you know, you have to come to my house for a meal. After all, you, you, you hosted me. I have to host you. So he comes to the house. He has a meal. And then he says, listen, you took me to see, you showed me your business. You showed me your houses, your real estate. I have to show you my real estate to take him to the yeshiva. So the Gvir says, why don't you have this face fixed up? The windows are broken, the chairs are broken, the tables are old. Why don't you do something? He says, because it cost me a million dollars to fix this place. So the Gvir takes out his checkbook and writes him a check for a million dollars. So, kachavu. So, Shimshin Pinky says, listen, if this guy would have asked right away by the coffee, he can have money, what would he have gotten? We've gotten a thousand dollars, maybe two thousand dollars, right? You don't ask right then. Then you create a relationship. After you have a relationship, then you can come in and and, and ask for something. Shabbos is this month to create a keshe with a kaddish baruch That's what you have to create with a kaddish baruch That's not the time to ask. If you ask, you'll get. But if you create a keshe and then doing the week you ask. Then Hashem will give you much more, right? Shabbos is the time to create a kesher. That's what it's all about. He says, now, if this guy would sit down with this gvir, and the gvir's in real estate, and he's talking about hardware, he's not going to have much of a conversation. He has to talk the language that the gvir understands. On Shabbos, you can't sit and talk with a Kodesh Baruch Hu about, you have to talk about what interests a Kodesh Baruch Hu. And that's the Yisoyed Advorim, you know. I had a mice in, in Phoenix with a gear. Told you the story with the. I met this gear. So I used to. We go many years for the Yeshiva of Phoenix. Phoenix like was the loser city, so they sent the rookie fundraiser to Phoenix. So I would go there, and this guy, he was a very nice guy. He would always give me like $250, $400, very Bacovedic. So once he moved his office, I came to the office, and he has a bunch of pictures on the wall from sports, you know, famous sports games. He was a big sports fan. So he would always ask me, Rabbi, can I get you a cup of water? So he went to get me a cup of water. And I'm looking at the pictures, the, the, the gishmaka pictures. So he comes to the Rabbi, those are just sports pictures. See that picture over there? That's a famous home run. Uh, now, that's a famous catch by Willie Mays in the 1951 World Series. So I said, yeah, you know who hit the ball? He says, you wouldn't know who hit the ball. I said, yeah, it was Vic Wirtz. He says, Wow. Then he goes to the next picture. See, the next picture, that's a home run by Bobby Thompson. I bet all my money on that game. I cut school to go to that game. I said, you know, you know who threw the ball? He says, you don't know who the pitcher was. He said, yeah, it was Ralph Branca. He says, wow, Rabbi. He says, the next picture, that's a, that's a touchdown scored by the Baltimore Colts to beat the New York Giants in the 1951 championship game. I bet all my money on that game. I said, yeah, you know who scored the winning putt? touchdown? Ron Amici. He says, wow. Right? So that year he gave me $1,800. The next year, we were any friends. He sent me a video of Hank Greenberg. And I, so I asked him for $36,000. So he gave me eighteen for the next few years. We got $18,000. So yeah, I don't know how to play the game. Speak their language. Uh-huh. So, that's right. So the Musa Haskell is to follow sports. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that's the Musa Haskell, but it, it comes in handy sometimes. <laughs> but, um, yeah. What? <laughs> but that was, uh, so you have to know what to talk about. And so there was a Misa with, um, with, um, 
with Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, he had a, uh, his wife got sick once. So he ran to, the, there was a doctor there, Rabbi Schwartz, Dr. Schwartz, came from Austria. So many of the Yidim Shalim had used him, especially Yosef Chaim was from Austria. So he came and we knocked on the doctor's door. He opened it up. He was carrying a lamp or something like that. So he said he was being Machal Shabbos. He didn't say anything. He was very upset. He brought him to his wife. He took care of his wife. took care of the problem. So Yosef walked him home. So he says to the doctor, he says, tell me something. What size, compared to the rest of the body, how much does the head take up? So the head is one-seventh of the body. So Rabbi Yosef Chaim said, um, you know, the rest of the parts of the body, they say to the head, you know, it's not fair. We do all the work. The hands do the work, the legs do the work, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, you're on the top and you uh, you get to do the eating. The food comes, you eat first. Right? It's not fair. Right? Why should you be the first one? And then, uh, you know, you know, you, you don't want to call the shots. It's not fair. Right? Why, why do we, uh, why would you come in last? So the head says to them, here too. Uh, you know, uh, they you know they they say to the head, you don't want to talk. You know, why don't we have a day? <laughs> so the head says, "Listen, thanks to me, you guys are functioning, right? If not to me, you guys wouldn't be able to do anything. I'm the one who sends the messages. I'm the one who controls the body. Thanks to me, you're operating. So I should have the right to take the first bite and to and and to talk. So um, so the doctor says, yeah." Makes sense that the head's got a good head, right? And so uh, Rabbi Yosef Chaim says to him, so listen, the Shabbos is the head of the rest of the week. It also legislates what's going to be to the rest of the week, right? So if you want the rest of the week to work out properly, you got to give their heritage to the head, right? So um, the doctor got the message. He says, okay, from now on, Shabbos is going to be my light and not the not the lantern that I was using. And he became a shame of Shabbos. So this is the Yisoyed Advarim Shabbos. is the, the, the Yisoyed. There's a Moedek of Misa. I'll finish with this. Tuvia Goldstein tells over. I don't know if you heard this Misa ever. Tuvia Goldstein was a... He's a he was a, the Rosh Hashivah in Shiv's Eimek Halacha. So um, he was very close with Moshe Feinstein. I think. So he was in Siberia doing World War II. And um, they were in a labor camp. So there were a bunch of Talmidim from his yeshiva. I'm not sure where he learned. But um, so when Shabbos came, so um, they had to work with doing the time that the Germans invaded Russia. So there was a big pressure to work for the war effort. And they had to chop wood and bring wood to the river that would eventually bring the wood to the factories that were producing planes to fight the Germans. So came Shabbos. So the guy in charge, the supervisor, told them, okay, you've got to clear these two, this two-mile area and get the wood to the, whatever it was, to the, you know, where, wherever they're the loading it, and then from there it's going to go to the river. So then he left them, and he really was watching them from a tree or from the top of the hill he was watching them. But they decided, listen to Shabbos, let's minimize Chil Shabbos. So they did two things. First of all, they did Shnaim Shasua, so everything they carried had two people, and they went Pachas Pachas Midaladamas. So, you know, if you're watching, as a guy watching what these guys are doing, they're holding, you know, a twig, and they're walking Pachas Pachas Midaladamas, and it's Shnaim Shasua. 
This guy is watching them. He's furious. He says, Bishlam, you're carrying a gigantic tree trunk, a tree branch is one thing, but you're carrying a few twigs and two guys are carrying it. And this was so at night when they came to the barracks, all of a sudden there was a siren and everybody had to meet in this, in this special assembly hall. And these Bochum come in and there's 12 chairs set up in the front. And they sense, oh, this is not looking good. And they're told to sit on the chairs. And the, the the generals running the camp are sitting there. And this guy, the supervisor, gets up and he starts describing what these guys did. And he's saying, you know, this is we're in the middle of a war and Mother Russia's fighting the Germans, the Nazis, and that's what these people are doing. It's a disgrace. And everyone's getting worked up in Mamish Day. They feel, you know, this is it. All of a sudden, in the middle, this went on for a while, in the middle, five guys walk into the room. And these were people, the people in charge of checking all the camps, very high-level people in the Russian Russian government. They show up at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. They never showed up at night because they didn't see the labor at night. They show up and everyone runs to get them fancy chairs and they sit down and they decide to redo the whole thing for these guys. So they redo the whole performance and this is the, the supervisor and bring a guy up from the audience to help them imitate what these guys were doing. And uh, so everybody's listening very seriously. One guy gets up and he says, I want to talk to these boys privately. So they figured, okay, now he's going to... So they privately, the Bochum said, Vidui. And they said, the Vidui, whatever they remembered from the Vidui of Rapsadi going or whatever that you say on Yom Kippur Cotton. And um, he takes him into a room. And they sit down and he says, Agutavach. And what's about to hit them? And he says, And he says, I tell you the truth, I'm a communist. But my mother was a Frumayid. And she said to me before she died, make me one promise. Do something good for a frumayid. Promise me you can do something good for a frumayid once. He says, we never show up at night. Our car broke down. We saw the lights on in the auditorium. So that's how we were able to get here, to follow the lights. Otherwise, we would never be here. So there was Ashkocha, our car broke down. We saw the lights in the auditorium that's normally off. And we're here. And so what's going on? So they they talk about where they came from. They were Tamid, they were Tamid of Rabbarach Bear in Kamenetz. So I have an uncle in Kamenetz, and they had a whole Gishmak Gishmus. And so they go in, and this guy gets up and he says, uh, he, he says to the supervisor, Are these people, do they normally work well? He says, the truth is they're usually my best workers. You know, in fact, last week we got a shipment of chains and they were the only ones who volunteered to get out of bed and bring them in. He says, so maybe today is a little bit... Akitzer Maisa, he, he, he potters them from the whole Oynish. And he says, and by the way, how much food are they getting? It turned out they were getting 400 grams a day or a week and everyone else was getting 800. So he, the guy set the record straight. They have to be given more food. They have to be taken care of better. Anyway, they survived the war, and all they were Shomer Shabbos, and the Roshim sent someone to be, you know, to to, to save them. And uh, it was like a Purim story. Tuvia Goldstein used to say it over all the time. Shabbos is the Makara Bracha, and we should be zoichet to. Keep Shabbos, and if you keep Shabbos twice, you zoichet Mashiach and Yetz Hashem. We should be zoichet that Yishalmi says one Shabbos is enough. So uh, 
And that's that stems with the Mordechai Medeva. Just one Shabbos will all be free. So Miat Hashem, he should be zayicha to Mashiach Tzakena. Here we remain. My cousin Yechiel Lev went by and told you for a number of years. His daughter married a new man.